and welcome to Press X to Doubt, where it looks like the month of January is going to test our creative skills, as there is rarely ever any good news. This is episode five. We're halfway to double digits. I'm here with secret humor man himself, Luke Kirschbaum. What's up? Luke, you recently tweeted, and I quote, seven and three, first time placing in gold at the start of the season after finishing league promotionals. Feels good, man. What does that mean? So I play League of Legends and season 11 just started on last Friday. And like oh. normally when you start a new ranked season for League of Legends, you have to play 10 placement matches or promotional matches so that it can like put you into a, you know, designated ELO for your matchmaking. And Got it. usually the soft reset every season shoves me from where I usually end up in gold back into like low silver but I finally like went seven and three in my placements and still got placed in gold. So now I don't have to climb into gold. Yeah, I'm just already yeah. at gold, which is like nice because gold is usually where you start receiving end of season rewards. So like if I wanted to just stop playing ranked for the rest of the year, I could and I'll get my rewards. Uh, but who knows? Maybe I'll climb a little bit more this year. Maybe get up to platinum again. Right. If you're already starting off at that baseline, then just keep climbing from there, right? Exactly. No reason to stop now. And this week, joining us is James Smith, also known as Smithy. Um, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You are the host of, or one of the hosts of the PS Premier podcast. In that regard, if you just want to give us the PS Premier quick pitch and sort of what y'all are all about and the uh, what the channel, what you can expect to find, right? Sure. So we do uh, mostly, we have a weekly podcast. We do mostly video game reviews uh, and other sort of feature type content uh, we, we've done a few videos that I, uh, more recently like we did one on cyberpunk 2077 uh, uh, and why the bugs on why the bugs are not that bad in that game yeah uh, I was which was a sort of collaboration between me and, and Marvel who's absolutely hilarious um, and we have another video as well that I'm quite fond of uh, on the feature side which was a sort of look into Death Stranding and why it was the perfect game for 2020. I just watched y'all's The Cyberpunk, Bugs Aren't So Bad. And uh, I got to say, there's a little bit of bias showing in there. Um, oh, and, absolutely. Yeah, in terms of recognizing the gameplay and the story and all of this and downplaying, uh, downplaying, unlike the liberal, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, it worked really well. I, it, it's a short, quick video. It's all of like two minutes, and I think it nails a lot of the discourse behind uh, Cyberpunk. And so I, I thought you guys did a wonderful job of the editing and the voiceover. Uh, I know the voiceover was Marvel, right? Yeah, that's right. So it's a PlayStation-focused channel, Yeah, right? definitely. We sort of draw outside the lines here and there, but we're mainly focused on PlayStation. So again, you called out the two videos. You guys also have your own general gaming podcast and recently y'all did your top 10 of the year what was your top game from ps premiere uh my top game of 2020 uh well i mean sorry ps premiere's top game of 2020 ah, yeah well that's that's okay because they're one in the same uh, yeah that was the, uh, the last of us part two was our Heck. collective game of the year in the end that was my game of the year as well if you remember luke yeah i remember all too well <laughs> i remember all too well uh at the end of your episode you actually give it the 
accidental game of the generation award. Would you actually put that? I know it wasn't really actually part of the episode. Do you think definitively right now you would say that it is the game of the generation for you? I would, because the reason that I, that I actually presented it with that trophy, it was a bit of a joke, obviously. If you see the trophy and you've played the game, you'll know why it's a bit of a joke. But uh, that trophy is actually from our PS4 Awards show, which we did uh, at the end of the PlayStation 4 uh, generation, just to sort of cap things off and pay tribute to all the games of the generation. And in that, we crowned The Last of Us Part Two our game uh, of the generation. That's awesome. Um, well... For early plugs, I think it's something that we're going to be moving towards. For PS Premiere, where can people find your content? People can find PS Premiere content uh, at PS Premiere One Word on YouTube. Uh, I think the channel URL is just PS Premiere. Uh, and also uh, PS Premiere on Twitter, one word again. Okay, perfect. And it is P-R-E-M-I-E-R-E for those who may have a little bit of trouble. Um and so it's PS Premiere. And for the Press X to Doubt Twitter, we're at Press Doubt. And on Instagram, we are Press underscore X to Doubt. Because again, I had no idea what I was doing whenever I set this all up. So all of our URLs are different. The episode schedule for today is going to be, we're going to start with our news stuff as usual. Then we're going to get into the AGDQ Awesome Games Done Quick recap. Uh, I know Luke had watched a couple of the runs uh smithy and i both watched about one each uh so it will be a quick recap but we do have a couple things i really enjoyed what i did watch uh and of course the interview with smithy about a little bit more about ps Ramir, about the methods of making these uh youtube channels and then after that smithy and i are going to get into a little bit of a cyberpunk spoiler cast where we're going to talk about some of our favorite moments our favorite characters and of course by nature of a spoiler cast, understand that there will be spoilers and that you should be wary, that you should be wary going forward. So that way, uh, you know, if you haven't played the game and you don't want to be spoiled, spoiled, that's on you if you continue listening. All right. Starting off with the news section, of course, Luke, do you want to go ahead and give the rules for our news section? Well, Smithy. Because you're new to the show, I will go through the rules for you. And any other new viewers who don't already know the rules, uh, we are going to do a gaming news, two truths and a lie. Smithy and I will share three articles each. One of them is going to be fake. And it's going to be up to the consensus of the audience made up of the other two people in this podcast recording to guess which one is the lie. And uh, we... Are betting real money? We've, we've bet real money before. Last week, we had some pretty obnoxious bets. We had bets of 1,000 and 2,000. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really think that was money that was being thrown around. Nobody lost any money. I listened to but, that yeah. episode. Have you, have you paid up yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Luckily, we were we came out even. Yeah, didn't everybody came out at net zero. So Could have been real think, bad. Uh, Smithy, you can, go, you can wager as much as you're willing to wager. It does not have to be anywhere in the ballpark of $1,000 or $2,000. <laughs> you, you're, you're from Scotland. I don't know if I'm ever going to see you. I don't know if I'm ever going to see this money. So it'll probably be money uh, yeah. you can't spend anyway and i think to figure out who's going to go first who's going to share their articles i believe uh preston's got some trivia for us absolutely so i'm going to start off with a little bit of trivia whoever gets the right answer gets to choose who goes first so luke's favorite tactic seems to be 
make the other person go first. And uh, that way they can, he can sort of read, uh, read the room a little bit. But what we're going to do right now is the trivia. Whenever you feel like you have the right answer, what I want you to buzz in with is whatever video game attack sound that you can think of. So if you've got a wonderful, uh, oh, you know what, Luke, we were just playing Binding of Isaac recently. If you could do Bison, I guess it's whenever he gets hit. Yeah, you want me to, uh, he like cries <laughs> when he gets hit. Otherwise, he just, he just shoots tears. Like all you're going to hear is. Uh, uh, I don't like any of these noises from Binding of Isaac. Um, we could do the, uh, so let's say your favorite game is Zelda. You can just, that sort of thing, you know? Um uh, so whenever you are ready to buzz in, just buzz in with your favorite video game attack sound. Now, are both of y'all ready? I'm ready. Yeah, as ready as I will be, I guess. <laughs> okay. I think of the answer to the trivia question when I'm thinking of what the hell I'm going to buzz in with. Yeah, it'll just be a, an amalgam of a bunch of different noises. All right, so Twitch's viewership record was shattered today or yesterday. Uh, by David the Gref G Martinez. Uh, and just to put it into perspective, the old record was 1.1 million viewers. So my question for you is about, and I'm going to take the closest without going over, this is Bryce's right rules. How many viewers do you think David the Gref G, no, Gref, whatever, Martinez got Whenever he broke the Twitch record. Guh huh? Guh. <laughs> what was <that>? okay? <laughs> uh -huh. What do you think it is? Oh man, I read this article earlier too, but I can't remember the exact number. I want to say it's 1.9, 1.9 million. That is a number. That's that my answer. 1.9. 1.9. All million. right. I'm I'm significantly more nervous about the answer that I had prepared for this now. Uh I Bang. It's a very solid, uh, solid uh, attack, uh, sound. attack sound. Yeah. yeah. It works for everything really. Um, right. Okay. I, I'm not, I'm definitely less sure about this now than I was a minute ago, but I want to say 4.1 million. Ooh, that is a huge number. So um, Luke was closest, I think without going, well, no, he would have been closest. The number over. was no, you went under. Um, oh, I did, and so it was two point five million concurrent viewers for David Martinez. I don't understand. Is the graphic the Gref G? He's a Spanish Fortnite streamer. He just got a anniversary skin of himself in the game release. Oh, okay. uh, and of course, Fortnite hype plus his personality equaled breaking the record. So yeah, yeah. I mean, just absolutely wrecking it. So. Uh, Luke, that means you get first choice of who wants to, who you want to go first. Well, as tradition, I will defer to the challenger and I will let Smithy give his first article. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> uh, in that case, I, I don't know if you guys are keyed up on PlayStation news at all. Do you sort of keep up? So, with maybe. It? Maybe. Okay, you might have heard about this then already. Uh, the God of War sequel supposedly isn't being directed by Corey Barlog. It's not? According to this article, it's not. 
When did they uh, announce this? Oh, they didn't announce it. This is uh, apparently sources uh, within Sony Santa Monica have claimed that uh, the sequel to the 2018 God of War reboot slated for release this year has a new creative director. Oh, have they said uh, at all who is leading it? Uh, They have not. It says here, hang on. Uh, it says, while our source wouldn't reveal the identity of the new creative director, they claim the studio will hire talent from within the company. So we know hmm. that much, apparently. So, I mean, that would track with the first uh, couple God of Wars, where I think Corey, Corey Barlog was the second. Uh, he was over I, God of War 2. I believe he directed God of War 2. The first one was uh, David Jaffe. Okay. And the third one was Stig Asmussen. Right, I'm, right. I'm probably butchering these surnames, but <laughs> that's better than I would be able to do. And I think that they, it seems like that would be on track. I wouldn't be too surprised about that. And I don't know, did you watch the God of War documentary whenever it came out a few years ago? I, I did watch that, yeah. I couldn't I, I imagine jumping right back into God of War Ragnarok. Oh, no, definitely. Or whatever not. they're going to call it. Definitely not. Uh, and for what it's worth, it, it says uh, apparently that the reason for the shift in le- leadership was that Barlog stepped away from the project to work on other things. Oh, really? So I wonder if he has some personal projects that maybe we'll see the light of day for. So this maybe is the first time I've heard about somebody stepping away for personal things. <laughs> yeah, right. That seems to be the always the start right before a big shift, right? before a big reveal a big scandal yeah oh yeah oh no Corey Corey barlog would never <laughs> no i'm just kidding yeah i couldn't imagine but i could see maybe because like you have all these people from bioware here recently um that have left i wonder if he has just some other things that he's looking at doing he's okay. going to naughty dog it's gonna be a uh he watched, he watched PS Premiere Call, The Last of Us Part Two, The Game of the Generation. He said, what the heck am I doing over here? Yeah. yeah. Speaking I'm, of which. I got a war game? Rubbish. <laughs> yeah. Rubbish. What am I doing? Where, would have, where was God of War on y'all's list? I, it, was, it was one of the nominees. We didn't have a list per se. We just had nominees and then a winner. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah. It was definitely one of the nominees. And I think it was definitely in close contention for being the winner. Yeah, I think that they, uh, I mean, that was an incredible game. And Corey Barlog deserves to just have a break, do some smaller projects. Yeah. If there's anyone, especially as you mentioned, the documentary, like if there's anyone who needs a break, like that seems like a ridiculous amount of stress for like five years of work. And I think he said in the documentary as well, like he wouldn't ever want to work on a game for five years straight again. I mean... Uh, I'm sure it's still going to be in good hands. It's one of those things that at that point, at such a huge studio, it's not. There is a vision that comes down from the creative director, but they'll be fine, hmm. um, and I'm sure he'll still have a hand in it. Yeah, I imagine whoever's stepped up to take that or take on that role. It says they've hired from within the company, so I imagine they'll have had sort of a, a decent amount of mentorship and experience working on yeah. those games in that studio. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, All right, Luke, what is your first article? All right. So my article is based off of a Twitter video that was released. uh, I think this was just a couple weeks ago, maybe not even a couple weeks ago, a week ago. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild came out four years ago, and yet people are still posting 
the craziest stuff in that game. So there was a player who killed a guardian with a arrow from 1400 meters away in the game. Yeah. I, I mean, there was no record per se of longest guardian kill or whatever, but uh, the video shows him basically he's at the top of the temple of time. He aims up into the sky. He fires this arrow and he follows this arrow um, by doing something that uh, speedrunners call a bullet time bounce. And this is where uh, you are jumping uh, from a higher height onto an enemy uh, at the right angle with your shield beneath you to bounce super high up in the air. And then obviously once you're in the air, you whip out the glider. And so he is following this arrow that he shot across the map. He's following it, following it, following it until it finally falls and uh obliterates this guardian on the ground so and he's got the whole video on twitter uh i can only imagine i can only imagine how many attempts that took like that's exactly (laughs) what i was thinking that must have been torture well Um, yeah there's like uh definitely like a culture around these sorts of long shots these like crazy stunts right yeah um an insane amount of uh videos and time is put into getting that perfect stunt done right it's nuts as well because like you see a lot of these from breath of the wild but like breath of the wild isn't the first game i would expect people to do something like this in. yeah 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 and how would he have like do you just i guess understand and memorize the path of the guardian and just time it right or how would they uh i mean is there i guess there's no like making of video yeah. right all we have know. is kind of I, I don't know i mean I, I i watched a little bit of the video i mainly just saw the result right of him point out the trick but i don't know the measurements in terms of like what angle am i shooting this arrow into the sky <laughs> how can i you know and then how am i able to follow this i imagine jumping onto the enemy and following the arrow isn't necessarily uh an easy thing to do but you know you think of breath of the wild breath of the wild is such a you know, it's such an open world game and yet it's so physics based. There's so yeah. many different things you can do with your character. Um, That's something that I find fascinating from the from the story is just the fact that the game allows that to happen. Yeah. And allows the arrow to continue so long as you're keeping up with it, I'm assuming. Um, and that's the thing, too, when you watch the video is that it's traveling through loading zones. So there's times where like the the camera freezes because it's trying to catch up with the rest of the map because he's doing this like doing this like super fast glide across like this large open world like even the game is like hold on okay here (laughs) we go and hold on and okay here we go and then finally you see it land and extinguish this thing yeah uh did like do the guardians i don't know if either of you have played a lot of breath of the wild it's not my particular cup of tea but like do the guardians so I've always spawned in the same exact same spot because I'd imagine they'd have to if you want to pull something like that off without pure luck. From I never like really it's always like general areas. Like if you're right in front of Hyrule Castle, you can expect that they will be in the giant field that leads up to it. Yeah. Um and so there are certain areas, but never like exact spawns from what I've ever been able to tell. They have a exactly. limited sandbox that they can kind of play around in. Uh, in terms of their range so i mean that just makes it even more impressive then yeah right like who knows if it was if you know it it was spawning over here and then he just had to time it because maybe it does have a set path 
but whenever you're playing it, you just never actually notice these paths. Um, but yeah, to be able to do it from that far away, how long did it take in the video to reach? Like to uh, get from the start of his setup until it hits the guardian was like 45, 46 seconds. Um, but I think that, I think the arrow is traveling for like half of that. Like, I think it's traveling for like maybe 20 seconds, 20, 22 seconds in the air. Yeah. That must've been a million attempts. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Smithy, what is your second, uh, article uh my, my second article, uh, I don't know if you guys are more clued in on Xbox uh, things than you are on uh, PlayStation things, but uh, apparently Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo 20 years ago, but they just laughed their asses off. Oh, Nintendo uh, did? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently Microsoft set up a meeting with Nintendo to see if they'd consider being acquired. Uh, but according to uh, Kevin Bacchus, uh, former director of third-party relations at Microsoft, uh, Steve uh, Ballmers made us go meet with Nintendo to see if they would consider being acquired. They just laughed their asses off. Like, imagine an hour of somebody just laughing at you. That was kind of how the meeting went. <laughs> That's so sad. Oh, man. Microsoft isn't good enough for Nintendo. Kanye isn't good enough for Nintendo. Right? They're just rejecting everybody. Nobody's I wonder enough. if that's what happened whenever Kanye approached. They just laughed as well. <laughs> I just I love the idea of like them having a serious business meeting, but they just sit there laughing the whole time because the proposition is just so ridiculous. Well, it I is wonder... pretty ridiculous though when you think about it, right? Like yeah. Nintendo, I mean, we learned from Greg Griffith, our uh, guest in episode two, uh, Nintendo's been around for a long time. And right. Microsoft definitely has nothing on the vast expanse that is Nintendo. So yeah, to me, I mean, I, if I was a Nintendo higher up, I'd be laughing too. Yeah. If I was like, if I was a Nintendo, I'd be thinking, okay, these guys are trying to get into, into video games, but they just, instead of like making their own console, they just want to use all their money to just buy us up and get a, a head start. Right. And at that point, like they're clearly not going to put much passion into it. They're just trying to get you to kickstart their company. Uh, and so I guess it's really in the end, Microsoft, I don't Obviously, I think we're better off now uh, without that having ever taken place. So that's always really good. How much do you think that they had? Did it say it in there at all? How much they were willing to bring to the table? I, I don't uh, think it was in the article, but I, I I can imagine that they probably didn't even get to that uh, to that point of saying numbers before getting laughed out of the room. This was OK. So this was before Microsoft had started the xbox about right it was maybe a little bit probably into production maybe uh yeah it was 20 years ago so i imagine that would have been uh about the turn of the century so and I, well, when was the first xbox released i don't quite remember man uh that must have been like 2000 well okay so halo came out while we were in uh, well i was in high school which would have been i think 2001 no i was in I was not in high school at that point. Whatever. Yeah, uh, I know when it was. 2001. That's when the first Xbox came out? Yep. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah. So that, so that lines up pretty handily then. If it was 20 years ago, that would have probably been when they were starting to get it, looking to get into the video game business. And I wonder too how much, because you know, you have the, the Philips CDI uh, sort of scandal 
um, and the Sony PlayStation split and all that stuff that came up. Um, shout out to Level Up, uh, where you have these Nintendo kind of, well, Nintendo burned and got burned uh, in a lot of deals within those last like six years pr prior. So I wonder if that had a hand in it. But I mean, really, in the end, it is a, like Luke was saying, it's a Western company trying to come in and buy up just a company rooted in Japanese culture um, and rooted in history. Like that would be insane. Yeah, definitely. And I have to wonder as well, what the sort of legal ramifications of that are as well, considering they're both companies from different places with different laws around sort of businesses and, and copyright and sort of monopolies, that's kind of thing. Yeah. Well. Um, do you think that we're going to see a Microsoft buy-up of Sega anytime soon? I, I don't know. I think Sega is not exactly uh, as strong as they've ever been, but I'd, right. I'd say they're doing pretty well. I don't, I, I wouldn't imagine, maybe I'm wrong, but I wouldn't imagine they're in a position to be looking to be sold. Yeah, yeah. There, there's been, um, it's been rumored. Uh, you know, they had uh, Phil Spencer, I think, went to Japan and was going around to different studios. And it was just like, hey, we're just coming to check out, see what everyone's doing. Um, and people just immediately were like, they're buying Sega, they're buying FromSoft, they're doing this. And he said, no, that's all rumor. Um, it, it's definitely like, it's definitely a known sort of quantity that Microsoft and Xbox hasn't been particularly strong in, in Japan uh, ever, really. And they've always, yeah. I think, the, since Phil Spencer stepped up, they've sort of been trying to change that, maybe unsuccessfully, but I can't imagine the proper way to do that would just be to buy a bunch of companies. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. It, it's you're not going to get a foothold in by taking over um, what is this? What is already established? You flex on them. Yeah, yeah take all the me. money we've got. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I mean, they did just what acquired? They acquired Bethesda for seven point five billion dollars. Like so, it was changed. Yeah, yeah, change. they could clearly do it. All right, Luke, what's your next one? All right, my next one is going to be, we're going to be jumping into the mobile gaming universe. Uh, you know, we've got things popping up uh, every now and then, like Apple Arcade, like Xbox Game Streaming. And there are tech companies that are looking to break into, uh, you know, break the mold, if you will, and get into some of these things. So uh, Panasonic, uh, believe it or not, uh, is teaming up with Microsoft to create a new line of clips and cases and grips that are aimed to make mobile gaming uh, a little more accessible and a little more comfortable. Um, so believe it or not, Panasonic is uh, establishing things like uh, easy grip controller sets for like cool. Xbox controllers and Xbox series controllers. Uh, and they're also creating uh, a line of phone cases that literally are like elevated over your Xbox controller so that you've got uh, different things ready to go for all those mobile gamers out there, which I know this is like, <laughs> again, the part of the episode where we say, who is this designed for? Yeah. Who is out there playing mobile games with an actual Xbox controller? I know that's not for me, but... You, you do get them peripherals as well, though, that sort of clip onto an Xbox controller, like you're saying. And I'd, I mean, I'd maybe use one of those if I was... I mean, I have a Nintendo Switch, so I don't really need to play Xbox games on the go. But if I was inclined, that's maybe the way I would do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
if you are going to be playing mobile games, which I know that there, it's weird how big the market is for, but I don't know. I don't really know anyone that actually dedicates to mobile games enough to buy the peripherals that come along with it. But I, uh, especially something that is like branded, right? Like I can get a $7 clip off of Amazon that works just fine. Uh, and so to get this like branded Panasonic teamed up with the Xbox, that just seems a little strange. It, it, it's crazy too, to me, because you know, like you said, you would get like a $7 clip off Amazon, right? Well, Panasonic, I don't know if it's just because it's like the name, you know, like one of the biggest tech companies that's out there that are putting their names on it, but they're selling like these phone clips that go onto your controller in these cases for like $30 plus. Yeah. And then they're selling these controller grips that like, trust me, they come in a bunch of cool colors. They've got this like dreamscapes gray, this like web aqua purple stuff that like grips around the edges, you know, it's yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, again, there's just other options for you. And I don't understand the new companies trying to like break in and, you know what I mean? Like we talked about this last time with politics, like politics trying to get into gaming. And now it's like tech companies that have had nothing to do with gaming getting into gaming. And so is there a, uh, so you said it was, they're partnering up with Microsoft, right? Yeah. Cause so, they're specifically for the Xbox controllers. Like it's all Microsoft products right now. And I wonder too, if that's gearing up, uh, if they're gearing up to be pushing X cloud even harder on mobile and all their streaming services, well, not all their, xCloud is their streaming service, but to be pushing that harder, if they're, we're going to see like over the course of 2021, like they've got the Xbox out, they did their console release. Now we're just going to push streaming hard and we're going to try to get everyone on that platform and we're going to team up with Panasonic to get the best, you know, whatever peripherals that make that gaming and that style of gaming as smooth as possible. Smithy, do you I have you done like PS Now or anything like that? I've I've tried it in the past when I had not so great internet and I wasn't that keen on it. But now they let you download things, so I'm wondering if I should jump uh, back into it and give it another shot. But streaming services seem to be on the rise for sure. I, I don't know if I would ever want to play PlayStation games on my phone. Yeah, uh, that's it, you know that doesn't seem like an optimal way. To play and you know going out like i said going out gives me a, a, a an excuse to use my switch yeah so i kind of have that for that so i i, I don't think i'd ever use uh, streaming on my phone or anything like that yeah, and that, you know right? maybe maybe we're not the market for it either maybe yeah. it's maybe it's people who can't afford a, a games console and want to play the newest xbox games through xcloud um well if anybody out there is interested all of this uh, merchandise is available for pre-order within the next couple weeks, and it should be available worldwide by mid-February. So hmm. if this appeals to you, it's out there. Uh, awesome. Well, Smithy, what you got next? Uh, I'm going to keep on the theme of mobile gaming uh, because Pokemon Go is getting uh, Gucci-branded clothing in-game. What? what? In-game? <laughs> In game, so if you as certain Pokestops uh, around in certain countries uh, will, if you go to them and and, and use them, they'll give you uh, Gucci branded clothing for your character. And uh, I think it's, I think this also extends to another clothing brand, uh, the North Face, as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, 
so uh, yeah, and also these uh, clothing items are going to be available in real life as well. Apparently, they, I don't think they're. I don't think they are sort of Pokemon Go branded. I think they're just sort of Gucci branded and everything. But, uh, but you yeah, can you can get them. you can get Gucci clothes in Pokemon Go now. Now, in Pokemon Go, do you have to like play for them? Do you buy them? Is it microtransactioned? Why? What the article says is that you get them from the Pokestops. So you go, you, you know, those the the things that you spin, you walk up to and you spin, and they give you random items. Yeah, they give you random items too. Have you have you never played Pokemon Go? Yeah, I mean, like you can walk up to things and like you know you can find berries, you can find you know certain types of Pokeballs or yeah, like other things like that. Am I right? Smith? Yeah, like things like that's that right. all throughout the game. So in this case, he said at some of the Poke stops, and this is only in some countries, right? But I have to imagine it's coming to the U.S. if it's the North Face, especially. I, is that an American? Yeah, I'm not really up on clothing brands, but if it's uh, not the US, it's gotta be like Canadian, right, Preston? I mean it's like sure. I, I whenever I think of the North Face, I think of like this is what yeah. I wear when I go skiing. So like I imagine it's gotta be some kind of Rocky Mountain based company. Yeah, definitely. So then uh, whenever you say like you can go up to the Pokestops and there are the random items in there, um and you use a currency, right? No, you just spin the Pokestops for free. But they they have a reset period, so yeah. you have to wait you can't well. You go and collect them all at a time. Oh, okay. So it's like a weekly event kind of thing where like you're going it's out for like the gym battles, and then you come back to the Pokestop, and it's like you get the one free spin. Yeah, that, that's like the whole loop of the game. You walk around and hit, like you sort of plan a path through all these different Pokestops, and you, you hit them all as you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, whenever I really have not played since the summer of everyone playing Pokemon yeah. Go and everyone that was a, that was a good summer. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. It was the last time until the pandemic that everyone went out and started walking in the neighborhood. Yeah, um, sure. And so the so why I continued. I think it's so cool, but why? Like who? Why? I gotta promote that Gucci brand, you know. I guess <laughs> that's insane. And I, I just is it more of a pull for Gucci, or is it more of a pull for Pokemon Go? That's what I'm asking. Like, who is it really? That is the other question. Benefit. Do they get do they get a cut of the proceeds from the real life yeah. clothing items? That is the yeah. question. Oh uh, yeah, that's true. Um, and I wonder too. Even like, there's going to be so many people out there that just go to Flex, and they're just gonna they're gonna make sure that they have. The same, you know, they're going to be able to post on Instagram. Hey, look, I'm dressed just like my uh, Pokemon Go avatar. Yeah. And they're going to spend so much money just to do that. To the nines. <laughs> yeah. My Pokemon trainer is dressed in the nines. Or, no, but that's the thing, though, right? You either go all out for the Gucci or you're like, oh, man, I rolled some North Face. So now <laughs> I'm like the peasant Pokemon Go trainer compared to like the Gucci guy. When is this rolling out? I th- I think I, I didn't grab that from the article, but I think it's uh, now or very soon, something wow. along those lines. I'm gonna have to go and re-download Pokemon Go. Yeah, but I after think- the podcast, but you don't know whether I'm lying or not. <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I we, I know that we have, I think a Pokemon or a Pokestop like right around the corner. So I really will like 
download it and go check it out at some point. If it's true, go if try out that one free spin. I, I really, I wish people still played Pokemon Go and Mass because I, I'd, I'd get right back into that. Yeah. All right, Luke, what's your next one? All right, my final article, uh, Smithy, I don't know how uh, familiar you are with Twitch's stuff, but I'm sure you've heard of the Twitch Plays series, like Twitch Plays Pokemon, Twitch Plays, all that, I, that stuff. It rings, a, it rings a bell, but I, I, I'd be lying if I said I knew what it was. Well, let me explain it for you. So the basis of Twitch Plays Pokemon was there was a Twitch channel uh, where it was coded in with the Twitch chat where all these viewers could type in inputs uh, for a basically an emulator that was playing Pokemon. And it was how long will it take for Twitch to beat the first Pokemon game, to beat the Elite Four, get to the final Pokemon Master, and win the game. And keep in mind, you know, 80% of the people watching it are probably trying to put in the good inputs, the inputs that will lead you to success. And then you have 20 to 25% that are trolls that are trying to stall the game for as long as possible putting in multiple pause inputs, moving them away from their destination, the correct destination. So things like that. So, uh, and I can't remember, but they do it just about every other year. And they always like put it up on the stream and let the emulator kind of go and see how long it takes the general Twitch chat to beat the game. But I can't imagine they ever beat a game like that. Yeah. It's, Anyways, it's... So that's a real thing that was happening right on Twitch. Now they've taken it one step further. There is a Twitter user named Constantine who has taken that emulator and coded it into his profile picture on Twitter. And it will respond to the uh, typed in inputs from his pinned tweet every 15 minutes. So now there are people on Twitter playing Pokemon red through a guy's Twitter photo uh and it only updates every 15 minutes so it's going to take even longer but that is what is currently going on on twitter right now so people just reply to the post and that sort of generates moves for the this avatar yes wow how far have they gotten so far okay so they have picked squirtle as their starter pokemon and they have fought they have fought one Zubat. Oh. And that is it. <laughs> that did is they win so far? Uh I imagine they did. I mean, I think it would have been a bigger deal if they had lost. Yeah. yeah. I think if you lose without a save point, I'm assuming you go all the way back to the start of the game. Because it's oh, Pokemon. That's true. So uh I think they have fought one one Zubat and one. Like right now, I think he's currently sitting in tall grass. He's about to get sprung. So I'm not a big Nintendo guy, but if you lose your starter Pokemon and you don't have any other Pokemon, does that mean you have to start again? That means yes. game over. If all of your Pokemon faint, you go back to your save point. Wow. Right. So and I wonder too. To yeah. Do they, do they, uh, do they have to input the save, right? They would have had to have at some point input what? a save. Which place Pokemon you have to put in a save. You have to input a save. Although oh. Pokemon, they're like saving the game every like eight, you know, they're saving like twice a minute because people are just putting in those inputs. Yeah. And that makes sense. Like, and I wonder, uh, that's going to be something that I'm going to have to keep up with. So 
Is it the pin tweet is it's just whatever tweet happens to hit at the 15 minutes or is it the most upvoted? Is it? I, I don't think it's the most upvoted. I think it is uh, the most recent tweet within that 15 minute period. I don't think anybody actually knows when that 15 minute period is. You know, I don't know how many people are responding to this Twitter post. I imagine it's got a ton at this point. Yeah. You know, at what point will it become the most replied to post on Twitter? I don't know. Oh. But, or I don't know, even know how many people, because it only updates every 15 minutes and it's not updating real time like Twitch does. I imagine that people will maybe lose interest in it or maybe it's pulling from a lesser audience. But currently that's, that's true. Are they even going to get it? I mean, if they can get to the rock gym, Squirtle's going to kick some butt, you know, but right. are they They're even going to be able to make to it? They're set to go. Yeah, the only, yeah, I mean, they should have picked Bulbasaur, right? Obviously, <laughs> and at least the first two gyms you're flying through. That's what I was going to say. They're going to make it to uh, Misty's gym and just, yeah. that's where it's going to stop. People are going to lose interest. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Well, and at what point, like, how are you going to catch another Pokemon, right? Like, oh, that's going to be a nightmare. Like, you know, in speed runs, you beat all of Pokemon Red and Blue with a, a Nidoking, with a Nidoran that has certain stats. That's what you do in the speed run. But I can't imagine that, like, Twi Twitter plays Pokemon. Like, I don't, I don't even know how they're going to catch Pokemon. Like, yeah, ideally. Um, all, all right. right. That's, it. that's what I got. That's going to be all three from both of you, right? Yep. Yeah. I'm right. not insane. Okay. Preston, go ahead. Give us the recap. You're going to kill me, Smithy. I cannot remember what your first one is about. Uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I know. I'm a jerk. My first one was uh, that the God of War sequel isn't being directed yes. by Cory Barlog. Cory Barlog. Uh, perfect. Uh, all right. So going through the recap, we started off with Cory Barlog is not directing the God of War Ragnarok uh, the, well, the God of War sequel, what we are assuming is titled uh, Ragnarok, and we're just making that up because it hasn't been confirmed. Mm -hmm. uh, then we moved on to Luke's Breath of the Wild arrow shot from 1,400 meters or so in the game. Uh, then from there to about 20 years ago, Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo, and Nintendo laughed their asses off. Um, so that's going to be... That's just so sad. I really, I do want to be a fly on the wall in that room. Uh, from there, Panasonic is also, they are now working with Microsoft to create peripherals that really are geared towards streaming, or not streaming, uh, mobile gaming, and by extension, mobile streaming, I'm assuming. Uh, Smithy says that Pokemon Go is partnering up with Gucci in order to put Gucci items in the game and many of those items will be available in real life uh, as well, or if not all of them. Oh, and uh, North Face as well. Then Twitter plays Pokemon, where a Twitter account is updating using their pinned tweet to play Pokemon Red in the profile picture. Oh, man, that was some good alliteration. Playing Pokemon Red in the profile picture. Uh, they use the pinned tweet. They update it. The image changes? Is that really what happens? Yeah. Okay. The image changes. So, oh my gosh, that's got to be so slow. I'm just now really like grasping how horribly slow that must be. Uh, and that is our three. So every 15 minutes. Uh, that's our three for each. 
Now it's going to be time for guessing. Uh, so what we're going to do is each of us is going to guess which one we think is fake from the others. Of course, Luke is going to guess for Smithy. Smithy's going to guess for Luke. And I get the wonderful joy of guessing for both and putting money on the line uh, twice. And it's always unfortunate, but I won't be doing $2,000. Uh, and I will be going for, this is a little unfair. And I don't know. Sometimes, Luke, you always get me with uh, the details. Um, so I'm going to start with Smithy's, actually. All right, that's uh, And Smithy, I'm going to be starting... We don't want to do the reveals yet. That was something else that I feel like we messed up last week. Uh, so I'm going to put my bet on the line. Then Luke will put his bet on the line. Uh, and then we'll do the reveal. And we can find I'm out how much kidding. we owe. I'm going to say five whole uh, American. <laughs> American dollars or the PlayStation Store uh, gifting. I don't know. if Can you gift through the PlayStation Store? Um, Regardless, I don't think you can. Oh, okay. Well, five monies, um, how in however way that we can get it to you, uh, on the Pokemon Go with Gucci. I don't think I know that Gucci just did something really weird and crazy. They just put out some glasses that are just absurd. Um, but I believe I remember, and just judging off of the Pokemon Go, or not Pokemon Go. Oh my gosh. The God of War uh, documentary, I believe that Corey Barlog would be leaving. Or not leaving, but stepping down from that position. Luke, what do you think? You know, I don't know anything about the God of War guy. You know, it's not a series I've necessarily kept up with, so I'm kind of out of my league on that one. I can't really touch it with a 10-foot pole. It might be right, it might be wrong. Uh, the Gucci thing... I think it's happening. I think it's absolutely happening. I think that sounds just dumb enough and ridiculous. Yep. Enough yeah, yeah, I was thinking the happen. same thing. But the thing is, too, is that man did did Microsoft sit down with Nintendo at one point? You said twenty years ago, which is around two thousand two thousand one. This was like this was Star Nintendo time. We're talking like really, really good. Nintendo 64 games coming out. We're talking like GameCube is on the way. This is like Nintendo at its greatest and Microsoft coming in. I just don't know if I see that happening. I don't see you named Steven Ballmers. I know he was Bill Gates, like right hand man at the time. And I appreciate the accuracy, but I'm going to bet $5 as well that Microsoft never had this sit down laugh meeting with nintendo's ceos that's gonna be my guess okay all right all right my so guess. one of us i'm thinking will be wrong so my guess do, do i do the reveal now or do i do my guess we can do guesses first um okay what do you think luke uh yeah 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 let's have him guess you and him can guess for mine now okay go ahead smithy this I, I feel like this is a little unfair because I'm not so much guessing because I actually have seen two of these no, on Twitter. No. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to say that the uh, the fake one is the Panasonic uh, Xbox deal just by process of elimination, even though that does sound plausible. Mm, so 
Well, I'm glad you went first uh, <laughs> because now I'm feeling more confident. Uh, I will hey, say well, I did see. Go ahead. I will say, I will say if I get this wrong, then I, I, and you pick the same as me, then that's all going to be my fault. So it's going to be all maybe on you. Uh, maybe don't put all your faith in me. Uh, it's too late. It's already no. I I have seen that the Panasonic is doing peripherals, and I know that they are making something. But I feel like they're making their own thing, like their own tablet. Uh, it's not a Microsoft partnership, is what I think it is. Um, so I think I'm going to go with the Panasonic thing as well, uh, because I feel like they're making their own. I remember it being like very Nintendo Switch looking, but just weirder and boxier. Um is what I feel like I remember seeing. Uh, I also so want to say as well, like the, I, I remember there being a thing about officially Xbox partnered peripherals a few months ago. Uh, I don't know if that was a different company, but I remember I don't, I don't see it being likely that they would do another. Like, I see it less likely because I saw that a few months ago that they'd do another set of peripherals with another company in the same vein of items. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's true. Also, the fact that like the other two are both like Twitter sort of social media things, and this one is sort of an outlier in that it's a more mm. sort of regular news story. I like the way I like I like that analysis of the of trying to figure out which one's the lie based on the the patterns, right? Rather than the uh, so, how much Smithy are you willing to put down? I I will bet my pride. On this being the Panasonic and Xbox, um, uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you: you don't have to spend. Uh, you don't have to actually pay us. It's okay. That's okay. Put down money. <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, okay. Fine. I'll. In that case, I will. I will bet fifty whole pounds sterling. <laughs> fifty whole pounds sterling. Right. Um, let's see. I think I will actually put down. I'm not quite as. Co- I'm pretty confident in this too. I don't know if I'm that confident. Uh, let's say $15 on this one because I'm pretty confident. Um, let's see. Let's do the Smithy reveal first. So uh, to recap again, SHM, Luke did the Microsoft buying Nintendo, putting down $5. I said the Gucci in Pokemon Go, also putting down $5. And Smithy... Which one is the lie? Well, the uh, <laughs> the Microsoft one is actually from uh, an oral history of Microsoft, which I I can't remember the the sort of I can't remember the outlet that put it up, but that's a hundred percent real. Wow! Yes. I, I, but don't get happy yet because the Gucci thing is also a hundred percent real. Wait. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> and I, I made the God of War one up based no. on based on previous rumors that I think I'd heard. See, there you oh. go. there's no, I, there was no way for me to guess whether that was real or not. That was just a perfectly uh, cut out corner of the gaming world that I've just have no clue about. So that was. Perfect. I was so confident in that one. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe. Ugh, all right, well. Luke, what you so got? I, Luke, I make you feel a little bit better that I 
said the Gucci one was true. I, I will. I was. Or I was really honestly about to do like the the what is that guy's name? The old wrestler. Uh, the woo. I was definitely about to throw one of those out, and I'm glad I didn't. That would have been very <laughs> premature. Uh, okay. I think I should have held off a second for you to do that now. Huh? Before I revealed my hand. Yeah, I know. It would have been it would have been so much sweeter to to be able to show that. Oh well. <laughs> All right. Well, the two articles from Twitter were both 100% true, meaning that you guys were both correct in that Panasonic is not teaming up with Microsoft to create these new mobile gaming peripherals. That in fact goes to Otterbox. Otterbox is yeah. creating these peripherals with Microsoft. Yeah, and those uh, are grips and stuff like that, right? Like you were talking yeah. about? Grips, cases, clips, but they are all OtterBox. Obviously, OtterBox has been doing mobile stuff forever. And so they just said, hey, why not team up with Microsoft for gaming on the phones? That's clever, playing it very close to reality. Yeah. So it's OtterBox and not Panasonic. That article is 100% true. All right. So it looks like both Smithy and I were able to guess Luke's fake article. Uh, I and neither Luke nor I were able to get Smithy's, which is insane to me. And I guarantee Corey Borlo- Borlo- Carrie Borlaug is not going to be in, uh, is not going to be the creative director. So technically, it'll be in true in retrospect, right? <laughs> That's what we can claim. Maybe, but until then, I am an undefeated champion. That's true. Go yeah, ahead. You top. are. You are. Uh, awesome. Well, what we're going to do next, we're going to get into our little non-break break. Uh, and then whenever we get back, we're going to be getting into the AGDQ recap. And then we're going to be getting into the interview with Smithy. And finally, Cyberpunk 2077 impressions and conversation, a little bit of a spoiler cast. So we hope to see you soon. That's not the right way to put that. We'll see you in a moment. Wait, you'll hear us in a moment. Okay, we'll just, we'll go with that. All right, welcome back from the break. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, Last week, actually, it just ended on Saturday, so it wasn't even a week ago, but last week was the start of Awesome Games Done Quick. This is a twice a year speedrunning event where speedrunners are featured from all over the world and donations are taken in to support uh, various charities and foundations. This year, uh, Games Done Quick just did Awesome Games Done Quick uh, in January like they do, and they raised $2.77 million for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. Uh, not the most that they've ever raised before, but considering really? the event was entirely online, I think 2.7 is pretty dang good. Uh, proud for the uh, Games Done Quick community. So good job, everybody. Uh, did you guys get to see any rounds? I did watch, uh, to answer your question, Luke, I did watch two main games. I really did wish that I had caught a little bit more of it, but so much of it is throughout the day and it being online is over the course of the whole week, right? So what time would it normally start? Uh, like 7 a.m. basically? It usually starts, it usually starts Sunday at uh, noon. And it goes until Saturday evening, usually Saturday at midnight. They cut it. Yeah. And then each day it would be all day. And so there would be games that, of course, I would want to watch uh, and catch live. 
but it would be like in the middle of the week on a Wednesday at one. Um, so it just wasn't really feasible yep. at that point. Uh, one of the things that I did catch again, like I was talking about was the Yakuza zero fundraiser for $50,000. And what they did was they were talking about, uh, if we raise this $50,000, we will add in the rugby baby scene. And so it was like, what the hell is the rugby baby scene? Of course, we're going to spend this money. Um, and so they raised that $50,000 fairly quickly in the run, I think within the first 30 minutes or so. And I think they were doing a little bit uh, uh, fundraising before. And so, yeah, the speedrunner put the rugby baby scene, which is the main character running with a baby while a bunch of other dudes, you know, track them down. It's all the enemies and they try to like chase after them. And then they just start playing basically football, right? Rugby. It just passing this baby from person to person. And it'll like go flying through the screen or through the air and they'll zoom. It was great. If there's, if there's one thing I'm going to take away from this podcast is that I need to go and play Yakuza Zero immediately. Yeah. That, no, sounds, just... that sounds exactly what I want from those games. And I feel like I never got anything. I played Judgment, but I feel like I never got anything of that caliber of ridiculousness from that game. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever you see that title, alone you're just like okay yeah I, i'm gonna play this game i'm gonna pick it up and sorry uh smithy but it's on game pass so i'm out, I'm out uh, of excuses yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so luke what did you catch uh i watched uh my friend do his uh all platinum bolts uh speed run of ratchet and clank 2 going commando um a friend of mine dylan uh ran that on uh when was it tuesday or wednesday i watched it um one of those days watched that race uh or run rather he didn't race anybody and then i also watched uh, a friend of mine void he is a donkey kong country runner he did a speed run of donkey kong country 2 unveiled which is a snes rom hack of donkey kong country 2 diddy's conquest um and yeah really really cool game uh it's basically like donkey kong country 2 on steroids yeah it's a very very difficult rom hack and uh i i'm trying to think i know void played it casually on stream i don't know if he was the only one to route out the speed run for that rom hack but he ran it at gdq it's a very difficult game and he got to showcase it and show it off and i think he did a really good job of it so those are the two games i happened to catch that's pretty cool. And so they're not going for world records here. They're not. Well, some people are, right? Yeah. But... I mean, at at marathons, it's not really normal for you to go for world record strats because you're dealing with wanting to put on a good show and putting it on for entertainment's yeah. sake. And so many world record runs um, require like optimal, will lose a lot of time if you fail strats. And yeah. so usually like people will opt for a marathon safe route in order to show off the the game appropriately and still have it be fast but not as fast okay but a world record i mean i'd have to go back and look at all the runs but i feel like every time they do a gdq there is a world record that is broken so i'm sure somebody in an obscure game got a pb and they were like that's world record yeah i know it was quite i don't i don't really keep up with it but i know it was a I think it was a big deal that they sort of have a 
or had a Ratchet and Clank game this year, right? Because I don't is that a, a big deal? Uh, well, usually uh, I'll say that uh, when it comes to games that get submitted, it does feel like uh, you know they call themselves the PlayStation Nation, but it does feel like the PlayStation game runners usually do get pretty screwed. There isn't a whole lot of uh, representation from a lot of the sort of like iconic characters of PlayStation. Oh. Like a lot of Spyro games get ignored. A lot of Crash games get ignored. A lot of Sly Cooper and Jack and Daxter games get ignored. Um, you know, games that are clear blockbuster hits for the PlayStation saga, if you will. Uh, so it was kind of nice to have Ratchet and Clank. Uh, yeah, have a moment of... Uh, you know, fun in the sun, if you will. Yeah, because once again, I'm not like very clued in on speedrunning at all. But is I is isn't Ratchet and Clank like so quite a popular franchise for speedrunning? Yes, uh, you know, every single game. I think just about every single game in the Ratchet and Clank series uh, has a fairly large community behind it, uh, especially the first three games. Um, and obviously, the new Ratchet and Clank coming out for the PS5 is sure to blow up as well in the speedrunning community as soon yeah. as it's released um, because there's no better time than right when a game is released to jump on top of the uh, speedrunning community for that game and try to find you know the new glitches and the new time saves. So, yes, it is a very popular community. That's how you can break in, Smithy. And whenever it <laughs> comes out, you can play Hopefully the Ratchet There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, whenever for AG... Well... Whenever we were watching, I think we were watching a recap of an earlier race, which is also really cool to watch. I think for, I think that would be something that would draw me in, but it was a Mario nin, uh, Game Boy game. I know uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Super Mario, it, it's Super Mario 2, uh, uh, six golden coins. Question yes, six yeah. Golden coins. Uh, good speed run, a friend of mine, Darbian uh ran that game uh daily for the last like six months and he did run on a super nintendo um it is a rom enabler that allows you to change the colors of the textures of the game Mm. and there are something like 87 different color hex color hexes that you can choose from and so yeah he would like start up a speed run and he would run it until he reset or until he finished that run and then he would pull another hex file from somebody in chat and he would go again. And so I have seen a lot of those different colored hexes and stuff. So yeah, I didn't realize that was being run though. I completely missed that. But I knew what you were talking about as you kept talking about it. And again, like, you know, we've, we've talked before about uh, the strats and stuff like that. And you're really having, especially in, I would guess a race, like you're having to finesse the controller in a way that you're going to nail that, uh, what what was the thing that you called earlier for Breath of the Wild? Uh, um, bullet time bounce, like bullet time bounce, something like that. You know, you're gonna yeah. if you're in the middle of a race, you have to nail that first time in order to get that speed increase over someone else. Uh, and if you miss it, you're gonna be falling way behind or whatever. So it was really cool to watch the intensity of those races. Yeah, and watch people freak out. Uh, you know, for if someone missed a little strat or something like that. Yeah, and you know races. what? Actually, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, as you know, I was when I was going for the platinum trophy for Titanfall Two. Uh, one of the trophies was for getting through the game on hard difficulty, and started to get through easier. I decided I was going to employ some speed running sort of strategies, 
Yeah. And let me tell you, like, that's a lot harder than it looks, that stuff. Like, those speedrunners make it look easy. Right. And that's just like hundreds of hours uh, of, you know, focus on that same game and tens of hours focusing on the same move within like a moment. And that's just crazy to me. Yeah. Yep. Have you ever done any uh, uh, races loot at all? Anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, my friends and I will do races all the time. Obviously, I just did Sprash Vecta last month. That was yeah. a race uh, with a bunch of my friends. Doing oh, that's the true. Spiral games and the crash games. But yeah, I mean. I do races all the time with my friends, as long as we run the same games. Even if I know somebody has like a way better time than I do, obviously for games done quick, you want to see a really close race. You want to see people who yeah. are, you know, within seconds of each other so that you never really know who's going to win. But yeah, I mean, it's all fun. It's all fun in games. Beating the game as fast as possible and trying to get better than you've done it the times before. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, AGDQ, uh, Awesome Games Done Quick for the, well, it's Games Done Quick, but Awesome Games Done Quick is the winter one, right? Yes. And Summer okay. Games Done Quick is the summer. Okay. Um, and so they, again, they raised $2.7 million um, and it all goes to the Prevent Cancer Foundation. So if you're interested in joining that, you got six months to prepare, well, not join it, but in watching it. Uh, and if you ever want to donate, um, that is something to keep an eye out. It's really fun to watch. Awesome. Well, next we're going to be moving into the interview uh, with our good guest here, good friend Smithy from the PS Premier uh, YouTube channel and podcast. So again, thank you for coming on. And Thanks for having uh, me. I know it's not just you at PS Premier. Who else is sort of part of your uh part of the crew part of your editors and your writers so we're, uh, we have a few people from the the min max community uh which i'm sure listeners of this show will probably be familiar with uh yeah we have uh dory uh we have marvel and mitch is also now part of that community as well and we also have fran who does uh, a lot of writing uh of reviews and that kind of thing as well uh, and everyone sort of contributes to the writing uh, uh, and a few of us do the the voiceover, and I I mainly do the editing, uh, but we're sort of looking to sort of expand with that in the in the near future. Cool. Um, and so whenever it comes to your editing software, your uh, I know we had talked a little bit about the mic, and I I think it's really about being a sort of fresh YouTube channel. Uh, what is some of the early setup that you think you would recommend in terms of production for anyone that's starting off? Uh, we've been on quarantine, right? Uh, and I think even this podcast was born a little bit out of quarantine. Uh, so what are some ways that people can get into this? Uh... Well, I think, I think for me personally, the most important thing has been having a, a good microphone, especially since we do a, a weekly podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I I had a few messages early on when we had sort of uh, Dory and Mitch were doing voiceovers for their videos, and because I have this expensive microphone, and they uh, sort of didn't at the time, I was getting sort of messages about the sort of disparity in the quality between oh, you know okay. the videos that I did the voiceover on and the videos that they did the voiceover on. So I think having good audio quality is quite important, but also. I mean, you don't have to spend a lot of money on like editing software and that kind of thing, but it's helpful, I think, to have good editing software. I mean, I have the Adobe software suite of, you know, Audition, Premiere Pro, 
and that yeah. sort of thing. And those are all insanely helpful. Like they're they are sort of top of the line software. Maybe they're a right. bit overpriced because they're there's not really any competition in that region. But yeah, like that stuff it has been important to me in terms of trying to make the videos as high quality as I can. In terms of your video clips, uh, so I've been watching some of your features and your reviews. And again, I do want to compliment some of the the, the reviews and the quality is it it, it rivals the big names, uh, you know, your GameSpot and IGN and stuff like that. Uh, to me, the writing and the quality and sort of the transitions that y'all use throughout the review videos have always been very impressive. Uh, and I really like y'all's intro to your podcast and everything. That's all been uh, really, really good. Thanks. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the Whenever it comes to all of your capturing, uh, what do y'all normally use in order to capture? Uh, gameplay footage and that sort of thing. You mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I usually use, I mean, I capture most of the gameplay and I usually just do it straight from like PlayStation uh, with their in, sort of inbuilt recording uh, features, but uh, I I have bought a capture card now, so hopefully I can make that process a lot easier going forward. But yeah, it's just been it's because it's a bit of a nightmare, really, if I'm honest. Like <laughs> recording on the PlayStation because you have to record the clips and it takes up precious hard drive space. Yeah, and then you have to spend a whole day transferring them via USB stick to your computer. Oh. Yeah, that's something that, uh, you know, I was actually really frustrated whenever I got my Xbox Series X because I went to record Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay because I wanted to do, uh, well, never mind the whole story there, but I went to record and Xbox Series X currently can only record one minute of gameplay at a time, which is a nightmare. Uh and so it's just, it's worthless. Like you, you just can't really build a whole, I mean, I guess you can do that if you record a lot of clips and put it all together, which I mean, you kind of do, but, uh, that is part of the process. Yeah, that's uh, but it, tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible that PlayStation at least gives you the tools, um, to do that sort of stuff. If you don't have the capture card or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Like, they let you record up to an hour or on, I can't remember what it was on PlayStation 4. I think it was the same, but yeah, on PlayStation 5 at least. Uh, and also with the PlayStation 5, you can record 60 FPS now, which is uh, quite handy as well. Because I, yeah, I because you'll notice, uh, I think the Ghost Runner review is in 60 FPS, whereas the rest of our stuff is in 30. Oh, really? Was Oh, because in Miles Morales just got the 60, well, uh, they got the 60 with all the ray tracing stuff. Right, yeah. The Miles, Morales, saw, right? the Miles Morales review was written by Dory. And so I thought, because she was playing it on PlayStation 4, I thought it was best to accurately reflect her experience with the gameplay footage. So I got her yeah. to capture the gameplay from PlayStation 4 rather than capturing it myself on PlayStation 5. That makes a lot of sense. Whenever it comes to the editing process and sort of y'all's build over the last, uh, building up over the last couple months, uh, how do you feel like you've developed and how do you feel like you've grown in what ways is it like speed? Is it uh, qualities and, and quality in what way? I know we've talked about it a little bit in terms of audio, um, but just overall presentation, how do you feel about it? Uh, yeah, like we, we definitely 
in terms of like the editing process, I definitely can get things done a lot quicker now that I know sort of where everything is in Premiere and that sort of thing. I do think that we have quite a ways to go in terms of quality, uh, especially with the editing of like the the feature content, because I think there's a lot more room in the feature content for experimentation and for more interesting sort of editing tools and that sort of thing that are less formulaic. So I definitely want to sort of experiment with that going forward. Yeah. Uh, But we're definitely, I've got a lot more things sort of figured out on the technical side now. Uh, so I feel like our, I feel like the quality of our recent stuff is a lot better in that way, and also it's a lot more. We, we've sort of branched out into doing some more sort of comedy type stuff. Uh, the cyberpunk video that we talked about earlier, for mm-hmm. instance, that's like uh, that's purely a, a sort of comedy video to sort of give it away, uh, give away the joke of that. But yeah, yeah, we sort of we've done more than that. That's why actually that's why I asked Marvel to join us. Part of the reason I wanted him to join us because he's. He's quite good at that stuff. He's, as I said, uh, he's a funny guy. He's a very funny guy. Yeah. In, yeah. in a way, in a way that I'm definitely not. So, it, I think it's good to have that sort of range of talent on the team as well to get a, a different sort of different types of content. Right. Different perspectives. Different. Uh, again, like your some of the reviews are a little bit more serious. And, uh, you know, you're getting the information across informational uh, and opinionated. And then that cyberpunk video was just really spot on. That was, that was so great in terms of it's a quick adrenaline high of humor uh, that I thought really worked really well. Thanks. Uh, Yeah. I'm quite, I'm quite proud of that one. Yeah. You said you all share sort of writing duties. What are some of your approaches um, or some of the other writers? I feel like I've seen a lot of Dory's writing, um, and she's been, I, she did the Miles Morales one, right? Correct. Uh, in terms of the writing and, and the voiceover, correct? Correct. Um, uh, yeah. The interesting thing about the Miles Morales one, actually, just to interject, is that I think that was the first review that we did that I didn't have anything to do with. Like, really? Most of the time, most of the time I'll either write or edit the review, like in terms of editing the writing. Because we, yeah. we go through that process, like we someone writes the review and then someone looks over it and makes changes and that sort of thing. Uh, but that was the first one I believe that I didn't have anything to do with because Dory uh, wrote it and then Mitch edited that one. And I was, I was insanely like happy with how it turned out. I thought it was fantastic. Just by the time it got to me, they really, uh, I think nailed that review and and the core of that game. So whenever you talk about communication and production and all of that, uh, you are in Scotland, correct? Yep. I'm in Scotland. Yep. Um, and some of, uh, I believe, and now I'm not entirely sure about this. Where is, uh, Mitch from? Mitch is from Australia, which is the other side of the planet. Are you <laughs> insane? I did not realize that. And, uh, Dory is American. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so y'all are, uh, and that's not even including some of the contributing writers or Marvel, or you have three very different time zones that you're working with. And how do y'all normally balance that sort of production schedule uh and the writing schedule it's tough because i'm usually in terms of like doing the podcast uh the the podcast is definitely the most difficult to schedule around that because we all have to be in the same place at the same time Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm usually up very late and mitch is up very early uh and and dory's recording at dinner time so it's not exactly ideal for any of us but that's about the only time that we can get it to work um 
But yeah, in terms of like writing and the other content that we do, it's not that difficult to be honest, because like I said, we don't really have to be in the same place at the same time. Like I can finalize a first draft of a review and then send it to Mitch and he can look over it while I'm sleeping and then back to me by the time I wake up. So actually maybe works out quite well in that regard. Yeah. Uh, you're able to just wake up and get right back to work and not have to worry about uh, uh, like yeah. spending time waiting, right? On those yeah. uh, edits to come back to you. That's definitely a silver lining, yeah. And I do want to also point out uh, that it is what, 2 a.m. over there right now? Uh, it's 3 a.m. over here right now. Oh my gosh. Um, and so again, that's just incredible. Uh, so I hope you were able to get some good sleep beforehand because uh, sorry to keep you up so late. That's okay. I I since the pandemic, I've sort of because since I haven't been going into work, I've my sleeping schedule sort of fallen out of into disarray. So uh, yeah. I'm not I'm not out of my way here. Uh, and so one of my final things is, uh, what are your your personal maybe not the PS Premier official or anything, but your personal top three PlayStation games of all time. That's a tough one, right? So my my number one, right? That's a lock. I'd say that's definitely The Last of Us Part Two because that's my Heck favorite yes. game. That's my favorite game of all time. That's my favorite piece of media of all time. That's my that's better than any TV show or movie or anything for me. Um, I appreciate that you're still saying this like six months later because of, you yeah. know immediately after it hit me like that, where it was like this is you know amazing. This is fantastic. And then normally with time, you know, uh, you'll sort of distance yourself and kind of uh, maybe fall off and be like, eh, you know. Yeah, um, I was definitely, I was definitely uh, sort of concerned about saying, about being so grandiose about it early yeah. on and sort of saying that because I, I considered the fact that it might be recency bias. But I, I, know I definitely still feel that way. Like I definitely, every time I think about playing through that game, I still, I still sort of think back and realize, oh, wow, that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I are we talking exclusives? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's what I. Yeah. Well. Yes. Yes. Uh, in that case, I'd say maybe the first Last of Us would be the second. Nice. Uh, I mean, that's given more weight by the second game, I think, as well. Yeah. And then after that, I maybe go with something less sort of generic and say uh resistance fall of man really yeah three i love those games those are some of my favorite games like those are some of my favorite probably my favorite first person shooter series ever i I, funny story actually resistance fall of man is the reason i bought a ps3 and probably the reason that i like games in the way that i do right now Mm. because i I went to a, a friend's house when i was younger and, and he was playing Resistance Fall of Man on his PS3. And I played it and I, I got home and I was like, I need to get one of these to play this game. I need to play, I need to finish Resistance Fall of Man. But yeah. uh, I personally would be over the moon if they brought that series back in any capacity. I mean, they gave Killzone 4 on the PS4. Like the Resistance needs, they That's need true. that next game. Yeah, like, uh, All right, well... Uh, Again, we really appreciate it. For anyone that is looking for PS Premier content, uh, you can where can they find you again? Uh, it's PS Premier on Twitter and PS Premier on YouTube, both one word. 
So our next section is going to be all about the our cyberpunk impressions. And really, it's going to be more about a spoiler cast. So if you haven't played it and you intend on playing it, or if you don't, or if you just really care about spoilers, then skip for a little while, come back to the episode, listen after you end up playing it. Uh, for those of you that don't care, if you're like, ah, this game is going to be so far out my radar until they come out with the next gen version or until they update this version to actually work on current gen. Well, I guess I keep saying next gen and last gen is really what it is. So being able to work on last gen, uh, then stick around and you'll find some very enlightening things. Uh, we've both given impressions. Smithy and I have played it. Luke has not played it. Uh, Smithy, what did you play it on? I played on PlayStation 5 via backwards compatibility for the PlayStation 4 version. Right. And did you play it all on the PlayStation 4? No. Before they delisted it? No, I did not. I got the physical version, actually, so I didn't have to worry about that at all. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah, and so I did play on the Xbox Series X mainly. I went back and played it on the Xbox One for about an hour or so just to see what all the anger was about. And it was a, a complete mess and it looked horrible and um, it was incredible how bad it looked. But I had the lucky privilege of being able to play it on the Xbox Series X. So that wasn't really a problem um, for me. Uh, I completely understand the backlash in terms of not being able to run and the sort of lack of media awareness in terms of how bad it was on last gen consoles. And so but that is not going to be necessarily part of the discussion here. Again, if you want, you can go and listen to PS Premier podcast for general impressions. We put up a review and we did a little bit of general impressions on our third episode, I believe. Um, And so today it's going to be all about spoiler cast. We're going to be going over specific story moments or characters that we were impressed by that we didn't like that stood out or uh, for positive or negative reasons. Um, And just talking about those and maybe a little bit of the gameplay. Uh, and I think this is something that I wanted to focus on real quick, actually, before we get into that, what was a couple of things, what spec, what skill tree did you spec into Smithy? I sort of did an all rounder. I, I put a little into everything to begin with, certainly. And I, I sort of went more into the, uh, technical ability skill tree, depending on when I wanted to sort of get more into that. Uh, later on in the game but yeah i mostly did sort of an all-rounder type of build okay i went uh very heavily into just gunplay uh, i was not very impressed with the the stealth tech um it just it didn't feel like it mattered at all as soon Definitely. as you were caught it is uh, it's, it's one of the weakest sort of stealth systems in a game that i can recall recently like it's you ha- you can only take out enemies from behind and it's it's and the enemy AI is pretty basic. Yeah. As well. It's incredible that they won't they may, I think, notice a body um half the time. And they really don't notice like people being missing. They don't notice uh their their uh paths are very obvious and very clear and very uh consistent. There's no and- natural movement for them. Yeah, and not to get into like the bugs too much, but there was one moment when I sort of I I was being stealthy. I was on this mission where I had to get from one point of a building to another point of a building, 
and I I stealth all the way there successfully, which for me, like I'm not good at stealth games at all. Like that's mm-hmm. a that's a huge accomplishment for me. So I I got there, and then I, I was on the last enemy. I got behind him. I took him out, and I went for the non-lethal takedown. Yeah. And as soon as I took him out, he got right back up and alerted <laughs> everyone around me. And then I died, and I respawned immediately behind another enemy who would then spot me over and over again every time I respawned. Oh, no. Yeah. So did you just have to reload an old save at that point? No, I just gave up and shot everyone. Yeah, I- yeah. That And that is, I think, the most frustrating. I know that there's like a memory wipe thing, but if you are spotted in the first room, then it's like the entirety of the complex knows that you're there. Um, Specifically, there was like a mall uh, where I'm infiltrating a mall in order to find the, this, I don't know, some guy. Uh, And these people found out at the beginning of the mall. And then I had to fight throughout the entire thing. And that was the point where I was like, I'm just going to do guns. And I think that, I think that may be in the same area. Was it with a van at the end you had to get to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just this frustrating thing of like, I'm not going to, if your game systems don't actually work, then I'm just going to play the shooting gallery. Um, and there is some fun things that you can do with it in terms of slowing down time. Uh, you can do the, get the double jump if you have 40,000 eddies or whatever. Um, and so you can get some cool things, but that's not until kind of late game. Um, whenever you can really mix up the gameplay in order to make it entertaining. And for me, it was just very much like the guys would just stand there out in the open and you would just shoot them with your tactical rifle and it would blow them away. Uh, and so the gameplay felt a little flat there. Especially like when you get to the later game as well, I found when you get some of those upgrades, like the the jumping upgrades, I, I, I bought the upgrade that lets you jump higher, like do a boost mm. jump. Oh, and- okay. And now every time I need to do stealth, I can just walk around the back of the area and jump over a fence or something and just oh, that's cool. get there immediately, which is kind of fun to be able to sort of cheat the game in that way. I mean, I spent the money to get the upgrade, so I suppose I'm getting my money's worth out of it. But uh, yeah, no, the stealth is, it feels really minimal. Yeah. Um, Luke, was there anything specific about the game that whenever like you were seeing marketing or anything like that, that you were like, is this, you know, is this really what it's representing to be or who is this character? What it, Was there anything that stood out to you that you were curious about? I mean, you're breathtaking. No. Uh, <laughs> I think the game really pulled me in in a way because maybe it's just a world that I had never really seen before. You know what I mean? We talked a couple episodes yeah. ago about just the world that Cyberpunk had created. And, and and there was that aura of mystery to it in that, hey, this company has been working a long time to uh, create this world for you. And maybe we're not going to tell you everything, but there's a lot of flashing lights and Keanu Reeves is in it. And there's all these modifications you can do. And maybe we tell you, that's all we tell you. And mm-hmm. To me, you know, you always get a little bit of a thrill in being teased and maybe not knowing everything that's to come. You know what I mean? I mean, that's still why I'm I'm still very much like, you know, I am kind of listening to you guys. But at the same time, I'm like, what really is the game about? Like, at what point am I going to, you know, actually take the time to set aside and play it? Or maybe, you know, when it isn't so buggy, 
Uh, or, you know, maybe it's better now and maybe I'll get a next gen console or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm still very much, um, intrigued by the game just because I think it did such a great job in the marketing process of keeping its mystery. Yeah. You know, and I, Smithy, do you feel like they executed on sort of like, what do you, think that the mystery behind the marketing um, was miscommunication or do you believe that they nailed sort of building that mystery and then the overall payoff uh, is worth it? What's interesting to me is that like, maybe that this might be part of like the fact that I've played the Witcher three and I, most people who are excited for cyberpunk will have also played the Witcher three. Right. But like the Witcher three it sort of has this great open world that feels so rich and alive with these characters and everything. And I feel like that combined with the marketing for cyberpunk, it sort of felt like they were going for this idea that night city sort of feels alive and there's a lot to do in there. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's sort of teeming with activity and it's like, Oh, it's the worst city in America and everything. And it's, it's this bad place. And I feel like when you get into the game, the, the city just sort of feels dead. Like yeah. there's a lot, there's a lot of density to it that I really appreciate, but it does, it feels dead. It feels a lot of the time like a vessel for just going from point A to point B yes. and picking up missions. It's all set dressing, um, unfortunately. And it, uh, it, there was very little reason to slow down and you can admire the beauty of it. And that's about, it was all at face value. Yeah. Uh, no, it definitely feels like a shame in that way though. Uh, I mean, that's honestly though, like we're sort of getting at a lot of the bad stuff, but like, there's so much more that I think shines through about this game that is, that it makes me love it so much. Like it's, I mean, it, it was one of my favorite games of 2020. Like I, I had it at my number four slot, which is higher yeah. than maybe it should have been, but like that it's definitely my kind of game and the stuff that I love about it really shines through past all the flaws and all the, 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 lack of polish and everything like that. And that was something that I got to keep reminding myself. And maybe I was, maybe I finished it because I wanted to do a review and I wanted to have these conversations and build on the conversation, but I still finished this game and I put 45 hours into it and I still really enjoyed myself and the highs in the story are totally worth it. And I do want to get into that now is talking about some of these moments in the story, because I think for both of us, that's what really drives you past all of the, uh, the glitches and all of the bugs and some of the bad gameplay or um, the boring world. Again, all of these things are pretty regular and valid, but the story absolutely continues to drive home why you would want to keep coming back and why it does become high up on the list and why you would want to beat it. Uh, What was one of your top moments in the story for what really kind of like solidified, okay, this is good. I think, you know, and like I, I crashed, uh, my game crashed 30 times at least. It must have 30? been 30. It must have been something like 30 from like the start of the story to the end of the story. On the PS5. Uh, on the PS5. Wow. Like the, the bugs uh, and the, the graphical issues and everything and the frame rate issues are not bad at all on the PS5. It's very smooth in that way, but it crashes a lot. That's insane. But I, I only had like three. Wow. But I, I, I kept coming back to it, though, uh, through all that. But I, and my uh, my podcast co-host, Mitch, he he was saying on our Game of the Year discussions as well, like, 
he had a, he had a bug where his game kept crashing in the exact same spot where uh, Keanu Reeves was complimenting his genitals <laughs> over and over again, and he crashed every time right after that line. But uh, yeah, I mean, despite all the crashes and everything, like I kept coming back to it because I I think my favorite points in the like in the first chapter, I thought the heist mission was fantastic. I was really engrossed in the story, but I, the the game didn't really get its hooks in me until yeah. the second chapter when okay. i started doing all the side quests with the characters that, from the main story like uh judy and pan am and river like mm-hmm. those characters are so incredibly well built and how I, I do want to touch on this one moment from one of pan am's uh side missions where you're all sort of it, it's when you're sort of fixing to steal the the big tank thing yeah yeah and you're all saying are all you and the nomads you're all sitting around a campfire and Pan Am starts talking to you about the stars and everything, and she says, hey, "And she says, and do you see that big, uh, bright star to the right?" And then you're like, "Yeah," and then she's like, "Oh no, that means Earth's a major leak." Which is <laughs> just a really stupid joke, but I really appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, stuff like that just really sort of gives those characters so much life. Like just the writing in general is just so phenomenal like you can that's that's the main area where i think that witcher 3 dna really shines through yeah i agree because it it, it, like if it doesn't shine through anywhere else it shines through in the writing because it all those characters are just so incredibly well written and i do wish that there was a little bit more i think there is a development of choice um and by the ending which we don't necessarily have to get into the endings uh maybe we will in a minute but it it did still feel fairly binary by the time that you are. So you maybe would have like three paths, but two of those paths would lead you to just a binary choice. And then that binary choice would have. So I, I think there's a total of like 10 endings, which is still very impressive. Um, but many of the choices did feel like they were the choices that you made played out through texts or through post credit scenes, whenever they're talking to you and Judy calls you from uh wherever she's at i think she goes to oregon uh and so they they'll call you and reach out but it didn't feel necessarily like a huge payoff in game i feel like judy's was by the way i i think her final chapter was whenever i was immediately sold on the story whenever she is takes you down to her old uh scuba dive through her old neighborhood uh, yeah. her old town that had been flooded by a dam i believe uh that was set up something like that yeah i didn't pay attention too much to the details yeah particular- but again it's the character moments where you come up come upon the church that she went to as a kid and it becomes like clear about and of course you get this with jackie wells and mama wells and stuff like that earlier but um you know you've been playing this cyberpunk futuristic 2077 game and then you come across a church and there's still this like reverence for her in her childhood worship in her childhood church that seems very personal and seems very uh, uh, grounded in a way that you don't expect from that world and the sort of uh, <clears throat> in the what's the word I'm looking for the depravity I guess that you have seen elsewhere throughout and so it's those little character moments that make up for all the depravity uh, in the night city uh, that it, to me has always been really touching and uh, impressive throughout. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a big 
sort of believer that the best stories have are sort of built on great characters and well-written characters. And I like I really like that they take the time to sort of give you those small character moments and big character moments as well, but and just sort of let you attach yourself to the characters. Like I've going through sort of Judy's past and everything. And just having that moment where it's like this mission doesn't have any bearing on the main story, mm-hmm. and it, or anything like that, but it's like just the fact that you, it's letting you sort of into this character's life and learn more about this character, it is like a big thing for me. I think that was a a great mission in that regard. Yeah, and after especially after having seen her deal with the death of Evelyn, uh, deal with Evelyn's kidnapping, her trauma, watching Evelyn go through that. Uh, having Evelyn die um, and then you still like help Judy get revenge on the people that did it uh, and then you have this sort of very sweet uh, send-off for her where she's like I'm done with Night City I can't do it anymore I gotta go up to Oregon and I've got to get out of here and at that moment it's just like yeah yeah you do like I feel for you and I feel for this character and all the all the stuff that you've gone through is you absolutely should be getting out of here. And then that, a lot of that reflects in the ending for V. Um, if did you, you I just, sorry, if I can just interject, did you play as male or female V? I was male. Um, right. Yeah. I played as female V. So I had the option to romance Judy. So I think my, the ending for that mission was different for me because it sort of ended with her saying she was going to leave Night City, but she decided not to. Oh, okay. So at the end of the game, were you able to use Judy as part of your the big finale? Uh, yeah, Judy was part of the two endings that I got. So I, I got one ending that I wasn't happy with. It pretty much went against it. So I, I, I'm i going to get into spoilers, of course, right? So I when you have to make that choice at the end, I went with initially. I went with letting Johnny take control and do the the raid with Rogue, yeah. because I I thought you know okay they want to do it and I don't want to risk like the Aldecaldo's uh, lives. I don't want to risk and I don't want to I don't want to sell my soul to this corporation or whatever. So I went with yeah. that, and I thought like I thought this was probably the best outcome because everyone will survive that I sort of care about in the game, and everything will be all happy and well. But then I got to the ending of that sort of set up and everything just started going tits up because like it was this sort of it seemed like this happy ending like i'm there with judy in this sort of mansion and you know but then she says to me i'm leaving i can't stay here anymore you've only got a certain amount of time left before oh. you die and i need, I need i'm gonna i'm gonna go bye bye i'm gonna leave you on your own and this and is then, the johnny uh this is the johnny ending where you let johnny take no, over for the finale no no I didn't do oh. any of those. I um I let V stay in the body every time. Oh, okay, okay. This right. This was when I let uh, Johnny take over to do the mission at the end and do it with Rogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. So you, oh. so uh, for that mission, you let Johnny take over and do it with Rogue, but then you still took your body back from Johnny. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then so I yeah so I woke up uh, and Judy said she was leaving. Everything was very sad. I realized I was still dying. That's a bit rubbish. And then there was, I mean, it was cool. Like I got to go to space and rob a casino, I guess. What? In the end, there's like, they get you to sort of rob a, uh, uh, like you're planning this big heist. It's sort of like, a, okay, I'm going to die, but I want to do one huge thing before I go. Yeah. And it's sort of like as well, because it's sort of, 
they are totally different endings and it, it definitely felt like it was playing into all the choices I'd made along the way because obviously in the rogue in the Johnny and Rogue ending, Rogue dies. Yeah. So you yeah. Sort of, in that ending, you sort of if you go back to playing as V at least, you sort of take Rogue's place and you're yeah. sort of like the new the new big fixer. And so like you're getting to go to the space station, this casino uh in space and rob it. And it's like that's a cool ending, right? But I've sort of still lost all the characters that I cared about throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't get to see them again. It's all it's not the kind of ending that I want. So I did another ending where I did it. Uh, I did the ending with the Elder Caldos, and a couple of them died, which I was a bit sad about. But I was overall happy because all the characters that I sort of cared about the most will sort of rode into the sunset, which is like a sort of a generic ending that I'm never. I don't like it when endings are too happy, mm-hmm. but I feel I feel like in that game I sort of earned that happy ending. You know. Yeah. And I, uh, also, Judy was there as well, which I wasn't sure about whether Judy was going to be in the ending because I was going riding off with the Elder Callows and everything. But uh, yeah, she was there as well. Everyone sort of lived happily ever after. And I sort of said, "Okay, that's fine for me. I'll I'll leave it there. That's good." Um, yeah, that's where I. So mine were pretty drastically different. So at the end of my, uh, for me, what I did was I let Johnny take over at the end. Because what right before that finale, what I had done was Johnny and Rogue's full uh, storyline uh, for their side missions where you go and Johnny takes her on dates. Uh, then they go out and she, you go and you get Johnny's car back, which, by the way, if you hate the driving in that game, which it's not very good, Johnny's car is amazing. And it sort of makes the driving fun again, even beyond. I personally think it's better than the motorcycles. You get this tiny little Porsche. It's wonderful. Um, I, I hate the motorcycles. I think the cars are much better in general. Really? That, yeah. That car is fun, though. Yeah. It, and it's just this, like, it feels like you can still weave in and out of traffic, and it's still a lot more responsive than other cars. So I love it. But you get Johnny's glasses. Johnny, you know, you do this whole thing, and you go out to Johnny's gravesite where he was buried unmarked by the people that killed him. Um, and it's just this really again grounding moment for this very legendary character throughout the game where you realize the sort of sadness for him and what was taken for him from him even though he was you know doing this big terroristic activity um and he in that moment or from there what i did was immediately go into the final mission and so i had this sort of like sweet spot where i was just like Oh, Johnny, like you poor guy and all these things. So eventually I just gave him the body. He was like, I'm going to go back for six months. What does V need with this body? Um, And gave it over. And his final Johnny's finale is so bad where he's leaving Night City. And but he's in this motel and there's this kid that drives him around to the guitar shop. And you go and you pick up a guitar. Then you go. The really sweet moment there is you go into Rogue and V's grave. Um, and you like pay your respects to both characters and then you get on this bus and the kid that was with you like it pans out and does that third person view where it shows you in the bus and that never looks good like i think they do it in every ending where it pans out at the end and shows your third person oh yeah character model and it looks awful i don't like that at all uh and the kid comes running up to the bus he's johnny way and it like in the subtitles it's way 
And he's just, they end it on an obnoxious, like teenage character. Uh, I was so frustrated, but I still preferred that ending for Johnny in the end. But yeah, in terms of like Johnny, that, that doing his set of missions definitely gave me pause at that ending. Mm-hmm. I, I, that more than it would have done if I hadn't done those missions. Like I definitely sort of thought, sat there for a minute and considered my options. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, to me again, if we're talking about why it's really high up on my list, uh, and why I really ultimately at the end of the, at the end of the day, really appreciated the game. It's the fact that at the end of the missions, even though I did feel it was a little binary where you can go into the well, or you can go beyond the wall, uh, it still gave me pause and I still sat there and stared at it for about five minutes for each mission. I was just like, what do I do here? What, what do I feel? How do I feel about these two characters? I don't really like the V that I built. So I'm able to sacrifice him because I feel like Johnny is more of the sentimental character. And the fact that they built that much out uh, is really impressive to even make you stop and think about it at all. Uh, Yeah. I definitely like, I did my first ending and I was like, it still had a big impact on me, but not in the way that I wanted. Like it was a big impact in the, in terms of like, I'm depressed now. This is not good. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to talk about like Johnny's character and his sort of evolution uh-huh. a little bit. I, I think it's really interesting. Like there's one like really specific moment in uh, like Judy's last side mission where just after she pulls you out of the lake uh she sort of johnny makes some offhand comment and she sort of she comments on it and she says you know and your v's like oh you heard that yeah and and johnny's i don't know i'm sorry judy is like yeah uh just sort of like an echo or like i didn't hear it properly but even that that sort of made me realize that that like something that i hadn't realized up to that point where like just how isolating it was to have this sort of voice in my head that no one mm. else in that world can hear like and i think that moment really sort of captured that in a way where i like i wouldn't have realized that that was the case if it wasn't for that tiny moment and i i feel like that plays into his the rogue mission whenever you first are going to look for rogue and you give johnny control and he just goes wild um and starts just acting out and of course he like claims like oh i needed to do this in order to show that it was really me so rogue would believe it but talking about the isolation uh for v like the isolation for johnny comes across really well by the end of it of just like being trapped in this guy that or a guy or woman uh, whichever one that you chose that uh is to you not being effective enough and not living the life that you wanted them to live and there's this like uh this disconnect f- for Johnny from the world they want to see and the change they want to make and the change that V is capable of and how frustrating that must have been for someone as like uh, um, as big as him. And again, I think that also comes across in the playing the concert, right. And having that final last moment and giving that payoff uh, to Johnny. No, definitely. I, that those side missions as well, I think sort of getting a look into more of a look into Johnny's life, which I think we'd sort of been deprived of up until that point and really yeah. sort of get to see him as a character. I think that was uh, really strong. And also like in that Johnny ending as well, I sort of thought I, I thought I was doing the right thing as well, but I thought that first ending that I did 
was the best choice because I was like, you know, as I said, none of the characters that I care about can die in this ending. It's all going to be yeah. tipped. It's all going to be tiptoe. It's all going to be well. And you know, who cares about Rogue? You know, uh, she's just a mercenary or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then she, and then she, you walk out on her with a phone call with her son, and it's like, oh, you've got a son. Yeah, I forgot about and I'm that. Like, oh shit! I've made a terrible mistake. Yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, Luke, how do you think Keanu Reeves did? What do you think on a scale of one to 10, how do you think that we would rate Keanu Reeves' performance in his first ever, as far as I know, uh, besides the sound bites that they stole from the Matrix movies in order to make that wonderful Matrix game? Um, how do you think he would have done? Honestly, I think he did a great job. I mean... It's kind of his iconic thing now in my head. Like he had the matrix. He had a couple, you know, other good movies. He didn't really have anything going for him for a while. And then bam, he landed cyberpunk and people were like, Oh my God, counter Reeve is like the best man ever. It's, it's like beyond John wick. It has definitely brought him a lot of publicity in terms of being yeah, uh, sort of a face of cyberpunk. Right. It definitely brought him back into the limelight. I guess I'll say that. Yeah. I, I do think he does a fantastic job. I don't yeah. think he necessarily does a, an incredible job compared to some of the other actors in that game. Like, I think he's maybe on equal footing with some of those other characters, which is to say they're all fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, one thing that I have sort of wondered uh, quite a bit is like how, just a sort of passing curiosity is like how he reacted to the backlash towards the game. Yeah, or how he would have sort of seen that. Like, would he have just been like, "Oh, I don't care. You know, play the game if you want. Whatever, whatever, dude." Yeah, I doubt you know? that he has much of a much of a um, much of an opinion on it at all. Uh, and especially just the fact that he did do a really great job, um, and it very easily could have been a Keanu Reeves point break, uh, Keanu Reeves. Uh, and it could have been this phoned in thing that I think would have landed him in a little bit more. People would have put some weight of the controversy on his shoulders. Um, but because he did such a fantastic job, he's can be like, I did my part. I supported this game. And that's the thing as well. Like you get these big Hollywood actors doing video games. And a lot of the time they're kind of like, Oh, it's a, it's a video game. I'm just going to half arse it. And, It'll all be okay. It's, it, nobody really cares. Nobody really cares yeah. these things. I'm, uh, I'm just going to say some words. Uh, but he really put his all into it, which I appreciate. Because you, you do get like those cases, like I, Norman Reedus in Death Stranding. I feel yeah. maybe he's just maybe I just don't like him as an actor. But he's I feel like he just grunts and doesn't have any range at all, especially yeah. in that game. Uh, See, and so that yeah, was my do. worry for Keanu Reeves. Is I don't really like him. I like John Wick. But I like John Wick for the style, not for Keanu Reeves. Um, yeah, I, I would say Keanu has a lot of range either. Like he, yeah. he feels like he's playing a lot of the same characters and a lot of the same traits in a lot of his movies that I've seen. And maybe it's just like uh, it's going against type a little bit in terms of how vulgar and how, uh, I don't know, edgy, I guess. But sort of uh, but also just how vulnerable Johnny Silverhand can be um, that we don't really see that from a John Wick or John Wick. See, uh, we don't really see that from a Keanu Reeves role. And so having him actually 
play out that character and create that vulnerability and be part of that uh, creation. To me, it was like, this is the best role that I've seen him in. Um, and it's, you know, his video game performance, which like you said, most actors would just phone in. Uh, I thought it was really yeah. impressive. No, definitely. I, 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 I do hope it gives sort of more, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of more credibility to mm-hmm. video games amongst like those big Hollywood actors and going forward, like they put more They can find prestige in it kind of thing. They yeah, put... yeah. Because uh, I, 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 a lot of them are sort of coming over and doing more video games now, it feels like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially once the tech is catching up. Uh, yeah. Was there anything else that uh, you wanted to call out specifically? Yeah, I know. But uh, yeah, I sort of generally, like, I think I've covered everything that I sort of want to cover with the characters and everything, because I think the characters are the real draw mm-hmm. of that game. Uh, I, I like the main story is definitely good, but I think, and I, I definitely think the main story is really strong. And especially with that connection to Johnny and how that evolves, that character relationship in particular. Yeah. Because at the start of the game, I thought, you know, this guy's trying to kill me. I don't like this guy. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be a dick to this guy as much yeah, as possible. That's how. Gonna, I was. And then, like that, really sort of evolves in his character. He's not a character who I imagined would have any particular character arc throughout the game, but he really does change from the start of the game to the end. Uh, uh, so yeah, yeah, and I think that just finding the camaraderie between him and V in a way uh, makes him a lot stronger. Awesome. Um, well, yeah. Uh, so I, that's our general cyberpunk spoiler cast. We got through it. Uh, <clears throat> I know. I don't know, Luke. Does that at all uh, make you want to play it more? Are you like, well, you know, I'll still wait. I don't really care. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, with these mainstream games, I've always had the same feeling of I'll play them when I play them. Yeah. You know, I'm sure I will get there eventually, and I by the time I get there, you know, I'll I will have no remembrance of any of this so that's true i will be able to enjoy it as i please uh but there's a lot of i have a big backlog preston yeah, yeah did you get control done. i did get control uh, <laughs> i have not installed it but i did get control uh it's on it's on the list it's on the it's <laughs> down on the backlog uh backlog yeah i would say move it towards the top it is really I, good i'm trying i'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting there Awesome. Well, uh, so we've done our plugs. We did them early. Make sure that you follow PS Premier on uh, Twitter and on YouTube. We have uh, Press X to Doubt on Twitter at Press Doubt and Press underscore X to Doubt on Instagram. Our final little segment from all three of us is going to be our shout outs. We each come up with a, another creator, another podcast. It doesn't really matter what they do that we have been impressed with that we really think people should go out and at least give a try. Uh, watch a video here or there. Uh, Smithy, do you want to start us off with who is your shout out? Sure. Uh, I'm going to shout out my my friend and friend of the show, I imagine, uh, Michael Moran. He mm-hmm. uh, put out a video essay a couple of weeks ago uh, called Little Women Love Letter. Uh, Little Women is a movie that I am personally very fond of. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and one? he's also the new one yeah the 2019 one yeah. uh and he's also a big fan of it and he put out uh almost an hour-long video essay on why he likes that movie so much and he hits on a lot of really great points and he he the the, the way that video was made is just so 
it puts anything that I've ever made to shame. Really? Like it, it's, it's very entertaining. It's very well edited. It's the quickest hour on YouTube, probably. Uh, it's just, it's an incredibly well executed video essay. And he also hosts uh, a, a podcast. I don't know if this is cheating, sort of getting two things in here. Yeah, but yeah he also hosts a podcast, which is one of my favorite podcasts called uh, List Wars. Um, and so where, uh, what's his channel on YouTube? Is it just his name, Michael Moran? It's Michael Moran, but you probably wouldn't find it. If you're in the MinMax uh, Discord, you could ask him there or he's put it in the community contents uh, channel. But yeah, you probably have a hard time finding it on YouTube. Just search for Little Women Love Letter. For a link in the description to any of the shout outs. Okay, so mine is uh, the is Owen Shannon's uh, YouTube channel. He also just recently came out with uh, a video that I really enjoyed called The Artistic Insecurity of Cinematic Games. Uh, and I thought that he did a good job of bringing up, he speaks about the idea of this, of cinematic games that are trying to mirror uh, movies a lot more and how they'll put gameplay on the back burner because there's this conversation of, Games as a medium not being quite art, and so by imitating movies, maybe that we will be considered more artistic. Uh, we'll put a link to that video in particular in the description down below. Luke, you find one? All right, yes, I'm going to give a shout out. I just remember this happened. I just had to remind myself. Uh, there's a speedrunner by the name of Hardcore Gamer 07. Uh, funny enough name but he did just get the first ever sub nine hour time in super mario galaxy 2 242 stars uh which is a absolutely nutty speed run uh, it's been over nine hours long for the longest time and he just bopped it uh i believe this was either last night or the night before by eight minutes so it is now in 852 he has the world record good job hardcore way to keep at it man and he's only 17. He's only 17, too. So what? Pretty pretty damn good speedrunner in, in our midst, boys. <laughs> That's pretty incredible, especially to break by like eight minutes. Again, these things normally come down to seconds, right? So yeah, uh, being able to do something like that is really awesome. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, we really appreciate you coming on, Smithy. Um, PS Premier is a great channel. Great videos, great podcasting, uh, and we are really just lucky to have you to be able to stop by and talk talk news and talk cyberpunk with us. I really appreciate it. I appreciate being invited on. This was prim. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, and Luke, thank you for staying on. Oh, and Smithy, yeah, thank you for staying until 4 a.m. Uh, over there. <laughs> I know it's very late, so another shout out. And Luke, thank you for joining us tonight. And always, always. And thank me for joining us. So uh, <clears throat> we will see you all in two weeks. Thank you for listener for joining us, uh, everyone for joining us. Make sure you tell a friend to join us because it's a party in here. You have a wonderful day, night, whatever you're listening to. Goodbye. I'm never good with those outros. I hate them so much. They're so, uh, I love just like, I kind of enjoy them being bad though. <laughs>